everyone. How are we doing? We well? Thank you so much for coming uh, to uh, my little experiment. So for those of you who don't know, and people are already laughing, I love it. Married couples drunk in the afternoon. It's what Edinburgh's all about. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, so what you're about to see is I'm gonna make up an entire hour of stand-up comedy that will hopefully be funny, and if not, it's free, but the door is locked, so you'll be staying for the whole thing. And, um, and so we're gonna get through it together. There will be some chat. There might be that weird noise. That, that, what the fuck was that? It's, what was that? No, oh, was, was that the sink? Yeah. Where's that water coming from? From a monster's bladder? Probably. Only in Scotland would you get that answer. Quite possibly, yes. We blame the English. Now, so uh, how this works is I get an inspirational email because it's the 21st century. You don't get inspirational books anymore. You get inspirational emails and then maybe an uplifting tweet and then a caustic Pinterest post. Take that, Pinterest. And uh, today's quote, suggestion for the show that will inspire one hour of performance if my fucking iPhone won't stop telling me that Twitter is doing something is, comes from, get ready. Are we ready? Yeah. Comes from Mr. Chris Martin. You can check out his podcast. It's the Carl and Chris podcast or you can go see his show which is called, I don't remember what it's fucking called, but it's really good. He sold out last year. Ladies and gentlemen, his suggestion is when the zombies attack, what's your attack plan when the zombies come. Finally something I can sink my teeth in, ladies and gentlemen. First off, Walking Dead fans in the room, yes? Yeah, yeah like three people and the rest of you are like, what the fuck is that? Walking Dead is this documentary about the future where... It is, what? You never drank in the afternoon? You're drunk right now, sir, trust me. You watch that show and you're like, I gotta get some wood and I gotta get a gun. It's basically, it's a show about how America thinks the world is, which is, it's just a sheriff who's always in a hat. He's running constantly from monsters, and yet he, he's like Indiana Jones. He stops to adjust his hat, then he like scolds his wife and his best friend who was fucking his wife. There'll be spoilers. I only saw the first season. It didn't, anyway, so, and it's about zombies taking over the world, and that show's become so popular, I'm pretty sure people think zombies are real. Have you noticed that? Where like you'll like I walked into a hardware store in Canada where I'm from and it said, get ready for the zombies, and it had a bunch of lumber and saws. Now either it was creative marketing or Canada is the land of the stupidest people ever. <laughs> and it's a little bit of both. Like our like our number one sport is hockey, which is literally you tie knives to your shoes and you hit each other against wood for an hour. <laughs> And we act like everyone knows about hockey. I don't know if you guys have any interaction with Canadians, but we will talk about hockey. Like, are you guys Canadian? You are, where are you from? Uh, Whitby, Ontario. Whitby, Ontario. I've spent some time, I'm from Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, that's wicked. What brings you to the UK from Whitby? For those of you who've never been to Whitby, imagine Carlisle and you're there. <laughs> my, my parents moved here. Your parents moved here. How old were you when that happened? For those of you listening at home, he's an adult, not just a, a child with the most adult voice ever. You were 17, so you just showed up Canadian, strapping shoulders, a long mullet of hockey hair, missing your front teeth, and you just hit that royal mile. Those years were called your uh, typhoon of pussy, weren't they, sir? I know his family is here, and I enjoy that his daughter laughed, his son looked at him, and his wife just went, oh, for fuck's sakes. Don't get him talking about the typhoon of pussy years. 
We'll be here all goddamn day. <laughs> this is your wife? It is. How long have you guys been married? 25 years. 25 years. First question I have for you, sir. The zombies have attacked Edinburgh. Where are you taking your family? To the high ground. To the high ground. That's impossible in this fucking town. <laughs> for those of you listening at home, Edinburgh is just a series of hills and staircases, and a physicist going, I don't know how this happened! So you're going to the high ground. Which high ground would you select? You don't even know what it's called. I'd head over to Albert's seat. It's a special mountain that only people who live in Edinburgh know about. It's in Leith, it's made of heroin and tears. Now, take that Leith, you haven't had enough this festival. And so, so you'd head to the high ground. Now what's your strategy here? Would you establish yourself as leader or would she be in charge? I like that, because usually when guys say that, they do it, I would like, she'd be in charge. But you'd be like, no, she would be fucking in charge. Like, if a zombie came at us, I would cry. And then my only plan would be, I hope the zombie slips in the tears. While she's just too busy taking out like a knife from her purse and going, bring it on, fucker! I have two kids in these glasses. I will fuck you up like a referee who made a bad call during Saturday morning football. All right, guess your kids don't play football. Now... But for those of you who are parents, that is a very accurate description. I do not know why I'm standing on chairs in the front row. Just cock level with you guys. So, you're in the high ground of Edinburgh. I, Scottish zombies would be especially terrifying because when you guys drink to a North American, you sound like you're growling. So I wouldn't be sure if it's zombies or it's just like, oh, it's four in the morning. The, the Penny Black just emptied out. That's what it must be. But that's, so, you, so the zombies, you're on high ground. What's, what's the one thing you would have to bring with you for the zombie apocalypse? A gun. A gun. A very accurate answer. <laughs> what do you do for a living? You're an accountant, aren't you? <laughs> what, do, what do you do for a living? I work for the health center. You work for the You'd be excellent in a zombie apocalypse. Are you, are you like, a pay, like a pencil pusher or are you actually like a doctor? Oh, you'd be the worst because is there a doctor? You'd be like, I know how to fill out the reports of a doctor. Is there an injury? I, can, I, I will make the incident report out of this bark. A zombie apocalypse. What's terrifying about zombies is that, because uh, I grew up, I'm 29, and with each passing day, 29 seems older because like technology is just moving everything forward. Like when I was 20, you would hear about threesomes just in the wind. Like somebody like someone knows a guy who met someone who had the roommate of a cousin whose brother's dad's friend's daughter's son's pool boy knew a guy who had a threesome. And now threesomes are just everywhere. It's just everyone sending photos. You guys are young. You've both sent photos of your dick, haven't you? Yep. Don't do that. <laughs> and don't be proud of it. Do you understand what your face was when you were doing You were straddling something in your room, trying to find something to force the perspective of the side. It's like, now oh, this golf pencil, I'll just make sure she thinks that's a real pencil and I'll just lay it next to it. And this little mini book I'll put next to that too, yeah. Just driving around the UK trying to find miniature cities that you can take photos of your dick in. Look at it, it's almost as big as this church steeple, baby. So I didn't grow up with the, the Walking Dead zombies. We all know the Walking they run, they're intelligent. Those aren't, I grew up with the, you can come in guys, come on in. You see, that's why I wouldn't be good in a zombie apocalypse. I'd welcome everyone in. I understand you're bitten, but come on in. You seem nice. Yeah, do you know how to make chutney? I'm missing chutney. I don't know why chutney's on my brain. Come on in, guys. Keep coming closer. No, thank you. You'll be paying for this later. You, I don't appreciate that laugh like you guys don't realize. 
What's up, guys? We're talking zombie apocalypse. What's your name, sir? Benjamin. Benjamin. Nice to meet you, Benjamin. And your name? Lilia. Hello, Lilia. I'm Charlie. Charlie, of course. Yes, we've heard about you. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so, and your name, sir? I totally forgot. Colin. What's your last name, Colin? Your name is Colin McElwain? That's the most Scottish name I've ever heard, <laughs> next to Bill Scotland. <laughs> Did you guys not hear about Bill Scotland? He founded Scotland. He walked up here and went, fuck the English, built a wall, squared a sausage, and here we go. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's the most intelligent joke I've ever made up. What, sir? That was awesome. Just a dashing man walked in, like the, the baddie in the OC, and it sweeps week. <laughs> Look at you. You're daring, aren't you? You want to be an architect when you grow up. Are you an architect? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! Somebody write that down. The day the Canadian found out he was psychic. Mm. So I grew up not with the zombies that we have now that run and that are intelligent, that know how to open doors. I grew up with the George A. Romero zombies. Do you guys know Dawn of the Dead, those movies? Those are the true zombie movies, because they were made how horror movies used to be, which was just a lunatic man given a camera, some jam, and some white paint, and he made a movie. And do you want to know who financed Dawn of the Dead, or Night of the Dead? Night of the Living Dead, I think, is the first one. Do you know who financed that? Mr. Rogers. Do you guys know who Mr. Rogers is? So in America, they, we had children's entertainers too, but they didn't turn out to be pedophiles. They were just regular people. And... <laughs> What? Don't. Fuck you. That's true. The, the court case is in my favor, and I get to start making those jokes, because I'm not making them at the other show, because reviewers are coming to that. I get to be a hack here. You're welcome. So, uh, Mr. Rogers, and he's like the kid's entertainer. Like, he literally would, like, show up. He would change his shoes, put on socks. He was a, he was a Presbyterian minister in his downtime, and he never took a check for Mr. Rogers because he felt it was a public service to entertain the kids. So if you're from North... Like, Colin, do you remember Mr. Rogers? Yeah. He had a cardigan, and he always talked like this, like, just, nice to see you. How are you? Welcome to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I know it is a bit of a rapey whisper, but that's because I'm a guy. Hello, miss, how are you? It's a bad time to come in, because I just said rapey whisper, and then you <laughs> sat down and looked at me like, I think I'm going to go to twice as nice, as it turned out. And so, and he, and his cinematographer and his director was a guy named George A. Romero. And George A. Romero has this crazy, like, snidely whiplash mustache, and glasses, and he walked up to a child's entertainer and went, I've been working on this script. And it's got, that's how George A. Romero talks. He talks like he's trying to bite you. He's like, I've been working on this script. And it's about these things called zombies. And what they do is their dead people come to life and then they eat your brains and it's gonna be great. We're gonna make millions. And Mr. Rogers, the child's entertainer said, why are you telling me this? He goes, well, I want you to finance it and put your name on it. That way, people will come see it because they'll think it's a child's movie and then a bunch of people will be eaten and it'll be shocking. And Mr. Rogers was like, how about this? I will give you the money to make this movie, but you do not put my name on it anywhere. And it was a big secret. So he made the zombies and the zombies were like the slow lurching zombies where it would be like, there's a zombie, what are we gonna do? We'll just walk slowly away from them. <laughs> because they don't run. And then of course Hollywood has done what it's all done in the last 10 years, which has taken all the great horror characters and fucking ruined them. Correct, miss? I'm just going to you because you're on a stool and smiling. Like Twilight, have we seen Twilight? Do we? Fuck Twilight, vampires are not good people with glittery skin and oh, oh, there's a werewolf, what are we to do? Get an acoustic guitar, I feel a song coming on. 
Go fuck yourself. Vampires are supposed to be the most evil thing, just biting necks and going, what did you do? Well, I killed her, and then I fucked the wound, and now I'm off to turn into bats. Don't fuck with vampires! They're like the motorcycle gang of fantasy baddies. And what did Twilight do? It's like, oh, well, you see, he glitters, and they're in the Pacific Northwest, and they're vegetarians because they only eat cows, which means they're not a vegetarian. They're literally the definition of a meat eater. <laughs> And they're just really shitted out vampires, and I love vampires, and then zombies have gone the opposite way, which is we've just beefed the fuck out of zombies. Like, zombies used to be, like, they were like the level one horror character, you know what I mean? Like, you see a zombie, walk away, and now they're like running, scaring you. It's always in every zombie thing, like within four minutes, like there's a guy, and he's got a wife, and then there's a zombie in the boot of the car, and he eats the wife, and then there's 20 minutes where he's like, am I gonna shoot my wife or not? And I don't know what it is about me, and shows how lack of a romantic I am. But if my girlfriend, who I care for very deeply, turned into a zombie, she would be deader than a doornail in like five seconds. Like just taking out some of the aggression you have in the relationship. This is for the time you got angry at me for not responding to a text message with enough enthusiasm. What the fuck does that mean? And I know she would do the same thing for me. Like I would be zombie John and she would just have a shotgun in my face. She's like, this is for every time you farted and thought it was funny. This is for the time that you responded with a text message that said, hey, I care deeply about everything you do and you're a ray of light in my life with a, haha, cool, I farted text. <laughs> she gets here tomorrow, don't tell her about this podcast. Now, that's the thing, and zombies have really changed, and it's all about sort of isolation, so it's the apocalypse. Now, we're building a society, and always in those movies, it's always like the one lone guy, Mad Max, for example. Do you guys still know about Mad Max? You guys are young. Do you know about Mad Max? Do you really know about Mad Max? Did you just see that there's a movie coming out now called Mad Max? Which one? All of them, including Thunderdome, the greatest, worst movie ever. Let me break it down. If you guys, do you guys know what Beyond Thunderdome is? It stars Tina Turner. Did you know she could act? She doesn't, now. Mad Max. Mel Gibson has long hair and somehow does a shitty Australian accent even though he's from Australia. <laughs> and it's the post-apocalyptic world and he wanders into this town called, called Border Town or Barter Town. I'll remember a midget Oh, we'll fucking get to Master Blaster. <laughs> Stick with me. And so he walks to this town, it's called Border Town and it's run by this woman named Madam who's Tina Turner. Does she sing? You bet your fucking ass she does. How is she supposed to tell you about her plans? And so... Her plan is she hires Mad Max, played by Mel Gibson, to kill this guy who's a little person, or midget, you're not supposed to use that word. That's, that's a bad word. What if I called you cracker? How would you feel? Very middle class audience where we all just went, how dare you? You take it on your chin? You love those dick pics, don't you? <laughs> Try to save it with a dick pic gag. Didn't work out. Don't worry. We'll get back to zombies. So Master Blaster is a, is a little person riding a giant special guy. Uh, and then the entire town is run on pig shit. Mad Max kills that guy. And then they're imprisoned in this thing that makes pig shit. Then Mad Max is in the desert, comes back. Tina Turner sings again. And then he punches in their face. And that's how he dies. And that's Mad Max. And that's the apocalypse in terms of Australia, which is it's one guy wandering through the desert. I don't think that's how the apocalypse is going to be. Because I know humanity. We all think that we're going to be the hero. You think you're going to be the hero if the apocalypse comes, doesn't, don't you, call it? Don't you? You do. You're not going to be, brother. None of us are. Do you want to know what's going to happen when the apocalypse comes for me? I'm going to shit all of my pants. 
and I'm going to run towards the zombies going, bite what you'd like, boys. You know, that guy's never in the movie. The guy who's just the, the lone pussy, who's just like, zombie apocalypse? Let's do this. Because what? Well, let's break this down. And I know we haven't laughed in about two minutes. We'll get to it. Don't worry. But why is everyone's strategy survive in the zombie apocalypse? Don't you want to join up? That's the next stage of evolution. So you were looking at me like I just took a shit in your cereal. The most English thing I've ever heard. What's happening? Revolution? Let's make it happen. Do I have to do anything? No. I'll stay here and read Twitter now. <laughs> but yeah, why does that never happen? Why are we so against zombies? You know what that is? That's racism. That's inter-evolutionary racism. If you're not on the side of zombies, guess what you are? You're a creationist, and I don't go in for that sort of thing. <laughs> now, it's, it's, it's so strange when you really break it down that we always sort of fantasize about all these different fantasy scenarios. What's your favorite fantastic character, creature? No pressure. No one's watching. You can't think? Let's go to you, Charlie. Favorite? Favorite, like, creature of horror. Like, is it, like, the lone murderer? Are you, I'm a vampire man, because I like the capes. I gotta be honest with you. Also, by the way, I know what you're thinking. Hey, is Dracula a good read? No, it's fucking not. The first hundred pages are the descriptions of castles, and then the guy sends a letter. Dracula shows up on page 150, he scales a wall, and then doesn't show up for another 75 pages. It's the shittiest book in the world. He describes a Romanian gypsy for three pages. I could do it like this. She looked old and scary. Back to Dracula! <laughs> It can be Frankenstein, it can be whatever you want. It's not even your, so you just didn't even answer the question, you just pussed out, Charlie. You're not an angel, are you? Just call him. Fuck, my references are shitty today. Charlie's Angels, right? That movie with Bernie Mac and that other movie with Bill Murray that was all right? Take all the time you want. You're going with Frankenstein? Do you know how Frankenstein was written? It's the most middle class story of literature ever. So Mary Shelley and Lord Byron were vacationing in the Lake District, possibly around a plum tree. They're satting around ivy, or sitting, because satting, it's not a word. <laughs> not even a word, just made it up. And you know what, you're such nice people, you all just went, ah, oh, they were satting because they were so posh, they don't believe in the letter I, because A is more pleasant to say. <laughs> They're sitting around and they were discussing how there's not a lot of good horror anymore. And Mary Shelley and Lord Byron then challenge each other and say, this weekend, we are going to write a horror novel each and then publish them. Because in those days, apparently, anyone could publish anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, now, if you want to try and publish a book, you got to meet with, like, three guys named Chris. You have to have green tea in a weird cafe. <laughs> a panini is served for fucking sure. Someone says, you know what? It's not really peaking at the places you want to peak. And then you, as the creative person, have to look up the word peak and go, this has nothing to do with the top of a mountain. What the fuck are you talking about? And then you go back, and then eventually you write a book called Fifty Shades of Grey, which I, uh, I started to read and because my, my mom was reading it, and that creeped the shit out of me. So I stole the book from her, so she stopped reading it. And then I started reading it, and then I got even more creeped out. Now... Back to you, so Frankenstein. So they wrote that, and Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, which is the story of a man making another man and then going to Alaska and getting fucking murdered. It's a really sad, sad movie, a book. I've only ever seen the movie. I never read the book. And the movie stars who? Who does that star? It was the famous uh, image of Frankenstein. You don't know? Does anyone know? 
Leslie Nielsen? That was Dracula dead and loving it, my friend. How dare you confuse that? Have you seen, do we know Dracula dead and loving it? It's the best worst Mel Brooks movie ever. To his own admission, he said, I was phoning it in. The best part of the entire movie is there's a moment where Mel Brooks is playing a rabbi because it's Mel Brooks and he just has to make fun of the Jews all the time, even though he is Jewish, so he can get away with it. I can't because I look like Hitler's wet dream. And so, <laughs> and so there's this moment when like the vampire hunter is about to kill Dracula with a hammer and when they do it, there's a lot of blood that comes out. But Mel Brooks is kind of like a prankster, so he didn't tell the actor Steven Weber it was going to be a lot of blood. So in his acting, he shrieked as he did it. So he went, ah, and then hit, and then just a geyser of fake blood just goes right into his face, and he falls down. And that's the take that's in the movie. You got to check it out. It's fucking spectacular. Not funny to you guys, but listen, if you don't like movie trivia, you came to the wrong show. <laughs> Yeah, we've already broken down Dracula Dead and Loving It and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Pretty soon we're going to go through episode one, The Phantom Menace, to complete the shit movie triad that we've gone through right now. Don't make me talk about the new Hunger Games. It doesn't make any sense. Philip Seymour Hoffman's digitally added. That means we have holograms now, which means pretty soon I get to recreate the first Star Wars in the way I've always wanted to, because I like to dress as a woman. Now... Frankenstein. I don't like Frankenstein, mostly because the bolts and the neck confuse me. And it was always the lackluster Halloween costume. Do you know what I mean, guys? You always had that one friend who just, he forgot, so he just goes and gets his, dad bla his dad blazer or his dad's blazer because you only get a dad blazer when you become a dad. Father's in the room. I can see it on your face where you're just like, that's right, I want my shoulders padded and my, my beer got covered up. And so he gets his dad blazer and he walks around trick-or-treating. Do you guys trick-or-treat in the UK? This is a random question. Yes, no. Okay, let's, let's figure this out. I live in London. Should I expect trick-or-treaters, yes or no? no? What the fuck? <laughs> this is why David Cameron got power, ladies and gentlemen. You can't decide what you want. You want too much. Do you want a guy who looks like a douche or do you want a man who looks like a dial tone? Ed Miliband, my favorite politician because he punctuates sentences by gulping. Have you ever noticed that? We will beat the Tories. He fucking does it. It's fucking amazing. And also during one of his speeches at the, uh, at the labor leadership race, he went, we will lower taxes. And he went like this and then looked at his hand and went, ah. <laughs> Spectacular. And so, so you guys don't really trick or treat. Did you trick or treat? Now and again. Now and again? Like just throughout the year, you'd <laughs> knock on someone's door? <laughs> I want some candy, bing bong. It's, it's not Halloween. I'm dressed as a burglar. Give it to me. I'll make you see a, a picture of my dick. Remember? Because he... Stick with me, guys. So why don't you guys trick-or-treat? Is it a home invasion thing? Is it just an English thing where it's like, I'd have to speak to someone, so I don't fucking think so. And I know we're in Scotland, but some of you are English. I can make those jokes. Do not email me. Now, why did you not trick-or-treat constantly? Someone got stabbed in my neighborhood. What the fuck? <laughs> Was, the, was he dressed up as a murderer? Oh, that would have been amazing, but I don't think so. That's one down, 75 to go. Now, someone just walked out. So someone was stabbed. Where did you grow up? Uh, in Aberdeen. In Aberdeen. It's not the stereotype I've heard about Aberdeen. What is the stereotype? I don't know. You guys are stupid. <laughs> but I live in London, so you literally can say anywhere in the world, and there's someone, <sighs> that place is so, they still wear jeans. 
That is like I understand when people get pissy about London because there is always one dick in the bag in that city. Like it could be a really fun time, and then one dude just sits down with like half of a mohawk, and the other half is just like one spiky green hair, and he's just like, "What did you do today?" And you'd be like, "Well, I um I helped give birth to a baby puppy, and then I rescued a child from a fire." And he'd be like, "So not much then." <laughs> And so you grew up in Aberdeen. Aberdeen's very nice. Would you like to hear a story that happened to me in Aberdeen? Yes. All right, so I'm a stand-up comedian, right? You know how you've been laughing? It's because I'm very good at comedy. Anyway, so <laughs> I did a gig in Aberdeen, and there was a, there was a stag do. Let's talk about stag do's in this country for a second. Why do you guys think, just because you're getting married, you can behave like fucking <laughs> savages? <laughs> I've seen men shitting on the tube. And I don't mean in pants. I mean pants off, eye contact with the passengers, and he just went, we're doing it. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's just, I've never seen it anywhere in Canada. You remember Canada. Did you ever see just a group of women with cocks in their head? Go, it's Tina's special day! It's Tina's special day! And as comedians, we have to perform for stag and Hindus all the time because they think it's a good idea to go sit in a room and pay attention after they've drinking all the Jagger in the world. And so that's what they do. So they sit down, and so I was in Aberdeen, and it was a, it was a stag do up from Newcastle. That's how crazy they were getting. They were getting so fucked up, they had to leave Newcastle. The only place, 6 p.m. in the evening, I saw a woman remove her panties, squat in front of a police horse and piss. And when the policeman on the horse asked her what she was doing, she said, same thing as the horse. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Anyway, so they were in, I'm doing this gig in this place called the Blue Lamp in Aberdeen. It's comedy club, have you ever been there? Yeah, I have a friend that's comedy there. You have a friend that does comedy there? All right, so I was there and these guys were pissed. They were fucked up and one of them was like a Geordie to end all Geordies. Like he didn't even talk, he just went, yeah, yo. Like it was just. <laughs> It was a mess, and it was so crazy. And I, I, had, I made a deal where I would get extra money if I do more time, because I love money, and I don't know things about things. So I didn't know that 20 minutes was the maximum. So I had to do 40, and so we're around 30 minutes. And the Geordie guy, he just took off his shirt, and he shouldn't have taken off his shirt, because he looked pregnant with whiskey. <laughs> and he started just posing in front of the stage. And as a comedian, one of your jobs is you have to control that audience because the promoter is always looking for a reason to just go, listen, they were uh, talking, so no money. And you're like, what? But I was talking with them. And they're like, go fuck yourself. So your job is to no matter what, you have to control that audience. And this guy is definitely ruining the show because no one can pay attention to my jokes because he's posing down and we're all going, is he the, is there a face in his belly? What the fuck has he been eating? And so I was angry. I brought him on stage. I had a beer right here, and I brought it over to the stool, and he's a big boy, but there was something in me. I'm not a brave man whatsoever, and he's just looking at me, and he's going, I want to be funny! <laughs> and I go, well, would you like me to see, would you like me to do my impression for you? I do an impression of the angry Jordy. And he went, yeah! And then I said, but if they all laugh, you have to sit down and shut up. And he went, okay. And then I took my beer and I dunked it on his head and I pointed at him and went, that's my impression of an angry Geordie. And they all laughed and then he sat down and as he did, he went, you're lucky I'm a man of my word. And then he just sat 
in the audience for the rest of my set, and then the rest of the stag do left, and he just stood there, sat there, arms crossed, just staring at me, covered in beer. And I finally walked up to him, and I had 10 pounds, and I was like, hey, man, do you go buy another shirt? I know it's a little dicky. It's only 10 pounds. He's not like me. Like, this shirt costs, like... I think I stole this from my flatmate, actually. But still, <laughs> he paid for it. And so I gave him 10 pounds to get his shirt cleaned. And he just went, <sighs> and I just gave him the money. And I left. And it turned out he was sat there until the bar closed at 2 AM. And a bouncer had to pick him up and carry him. I made a man so angry, he reverted to a coma of rage. <laughs> I'm still afraid to go back to Aberdeen or to Newcastle because I'm just afraid I'm going to see that guy or just there's an assassin out looking for me. Like, I'm like that woman that Uma Thurma's trying to kill and Kill Bill, that movie that I have to watch one time, so I'm not going to go into it anymore because it didn't really make any sense because it kind of felt like Quentin Tarantino was doing a little bit too much cocaine and not enough writing the lines. Anyway, <laughs> back to horror movie character. Frankenstein, you said it was your favorite, favorite horror movie of all time, Charlie. Not a very hard. Why was that? You just you just don't have any reason. Don't like to get scared. Is it weird? This is a weird question that may not end in humor. Is it weird because you're a lady? Is it weird to watch movies where like just lone ladies are left alone and they're just stabbed in the face? Does that ever make you feel very nervous? It is kind of freaky. I don't live in that world because I'm six foot four and look like this. Like, I literally, I could walk through a knife fight and I would just be like, whoa, what are you guys up to? What's going on? Because no one's stabbing me. Because this face, this gets you on the news if you're a criminal. You know what I mean? Like Whitey McWhiterson, who has parents that have money, someone coughed on him on a bus, trouble, like, news at 11. Like, that, I live in such a weird world. Like, I have never been racially profiled or racially offended ever. And people have tried. I lived in French Canada for five years. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Canada has a part called French Canada. It's where the British put the French people when the French fucked off and left them. And they really hate English people. And I am the, I'm kid oblivion. I don't know. So I worked in a coffee shop and I don't speak French. And not only do I not speak French, I'm kind of like indignant about it. Cause I'm just like, well, you can speak English. And they're like, but no, sir, you must speak French. And then I would do that voice to them and they'd get really fucking pissed <laughs> off. But why? No! Smoke your cigarette. And then, You're doing an impression of me. I'm doing an impression of Baby Love You. Anyway. So, and it was so weird because people, they, like, there was a time I was dating a French girl very briefly. And gentlemen, if you have a chance, date a French lady. Because their accents are so sexy. And they, like, drink wine in the morning. She did. She was a bit of a drunk. Anyway. <laughs> so cool. Anyway, we went to this, like, restaurant in Montreal. For those of you ever looking for a vacation destination, You've been to Montreal, Calm, yes? Born there. Look at this man right here. Carved from the rock. Yeah, you guys thought I was gonna fall. Completely planned. Some people do skateboard tricks, I just use chairs. Look at this man right here. Carved out of the granite of Quebec. Your mother was probably like a French cocktail waitress, right? Your father, like a name just named McLeod McLeod with a beard and a kilt. He walked in, he just ate a rock and went, you're coming to me. And she was just like, yeah. And then they did stuff in an alley like this, because this is sex apparently. And I, by the way, your children are the most perfect children because he is reacting exactly like a guy would and you are reacting exactly like a daughter would. Like as a son, you're like, sex is funny. And you were just like, this is an embarrassment tornado. I, if anyone tweets about this, I'm going to kill my mom. Like I can't, how old are you? 
You're 19. So you're out of that, like, no, mom, no, dad, do not talk to me. Do you understand how embarrassing you are? Like, yes, I know, I should not dress like a stripper to go to church, but I want to. I'm 14. Haven't you heard of Kesha? Like, uh, my brother's 11, and by 11, he's 11, but it's like, the again, I feel so old all of a sudden, because I'm 29, you guys are taking photos of your dick, who the fuck knows what you're up to? Probably injecting meth into your eyes and just being like, we're going partying. Like, it's just, curl girls who look like goths aren't into horror movies, what the fuck is going You kind of have a gothy thing going, you have eyeliner, it's not an insult, assholes. How dare you? I love a goth person. They're so much fun. Take them to the beach. They go crazy. I apologize if you were offended by that, but that was not my intent. Yes, but I'm also pale. I'm allowed to make those jokes, all right? I also fear the sun. Where are you from, Charlie? Um, I live in London. You live in London? What part of London? North London. North London. That's where the goths are from. <laughs> Read that in a book I wrote. Now, what part of North London? Bounds Green. Is that in North London? Yeah. yeah, it is. I live right beside Bounds Green. Oopsie. <laughs> Do you live close to Tottenham? Not far. Not far. Do you guys know what Tottenham is? Tottenham's an area you need to tell foreigners about because sometimes when you're from Canada and you move to Finsbury Park, you go for runs late at night because you're a comedian. So one night, about three weeks into living in London, was running, ended up in Tottenham, and I was a little tired. So I decided to stop and have a cigarette because I'm a man of contradictions. <laughs> Listen, if you've never run like three miles and then smoked a cigarette, you've not lived because the head rush is tremendous. It's kind of like, have you ever been hung over and then you've taken like one too many Nurofen? This is a little bit deep, but I do this sometimes. Listen, if you've never been, if you're ever hung over, do this. Get a full English breakfast right before you eat it, two Nurofen. You like, you literally, your brain just goes, why, why, why? Oh, all right. <laughs> Like, it feels like your subconscious is transported to a jazz club where all the whiskey's free and the, and the chairs are made of chocolate, but only for, like, one hour, and then you reset, and then you have the weirdest farts. Anyway, so, I'm in Tottenham. I'm smoking a cigarette. It's, like, 11.30 at night. And Tottenham has this reputation for being a very dangerous area in general, and it's not. There's some lovely parts of it. But there's one area, which is where Transport for London keep all of their buses, is literally... It's like a drawing of where... I would get stabbed. Like it's just a barbed wire fence and this and a church that's closed. Like not like I'm not a religious man, but when you see a just a decommissioned church, you're like, what what mystery happened here? <laughs> and so I'm sitting in front of it, I'm just smoking my cigarette and then thinking about running back, and then this monstrosity of a man just came out of a park and he took my cigarette away and went, It's not good for you. <laughs> And then he went, give me all your cigarettes. And then I did. <laughs> and then I just, I literally then ran away. It's my story about Tottenham. Now, well, zombies, everybody, zombies. <laughs> we haven't gotten to my strategy for the true zombie apocalypse. It would be this. I would say, first thing you gotta do, high ground. Colin, you made that point, very good. But we're in Edinburgh. We have a castle. What the fuck are you doing, brother? <laughs> You're running to the top of Arthur's seat. What are you guys going to do? Eat the rock thing that's at the top of that? Then look at Leith and go, oh, that's where the poor people are kept. By the way, that is the most oppressive thing Edinburgh has ever done. They literally, they put a volcano in between the haves and the have-nots. It's like out of Lord of the Rings. Like, it's just, no, not, guess not. Anyway, listen, 
It's a good point. Not all of it's funny. But listen, you're going to go up there and go, that's a very good point. It's like book reading, literature about getting clean. Like it's just, and leave, oh, by the way, did you guys know this statistic that someone told me, so it may not be true, that Embra is home of the youngest pregnant woman in the history of the UK? Did you know that? 11 years old. It's just, what the fuck is going on? Where's her Edinburgh hour? I would go see that. It would be weird, but you could probably smoke inside. Anyway, so, <laughs> we get to Edinburgh Castle. You guys are all with me, by the way, because it's going to happen during this podcast. Imagine, imagine how fucked up it would be if we go outside right now and there is a zombie apocalypse. What? It'd be like if I brought it on or Chris Martin had a plan. Anyway, so we take Edinburgh Castle, and the first thing that I would have to do, because I'm a man who believes in democracy, is we would have to establish a leader through voting, because nothing will distract you from a murderous, violent monster than a little thing called bureaucracy. So we would vote, there would be speeches, and then when the elected leader is chosen, we'd push him outside and say, get him, zombies. Because you guys don't know how to elect people very properly in this country, do you? <laughs> no. A Alex Salmon, for example. I, I, how do we feel about Scottish independence? Let's get to this for a second. Hot button topic. Colm, you're from Scotland. How do you feel? You live in England? Never mind, sir. <laughs> You're from Scotland. How do you feel about it? Uh, You're unsure still. Is it because Alex Salmon literally looks like the drawing of a shithead? <laughs> he does. Don't fucking puss out on me, ladies and gentlemen. As soon as we started talking about Frankenstein, you all got scared. But here's the thing about that guy. is He looks like the librarian who's just like, he's just always about shushing. You know, there's no niceness in his eyes. He's friends with Donald Trump. He, has, he just dresses. I just don't like him. And I want to support Scottish independence because I have friends that are Scottish and they're for it and I don't want to argue with them in pubs. And so I'm backing it because I've read no information. And so that's the thing. And it just, but it drives me crazy because you guys don't know how to elect politicians that ever seem to serve the people. Do you know that David Cameron? No one seemed to like. Tony Blair everyone liked because he liked the Spice Girls and then he you know, started those two wars for no reason and everyone turned his back on him. I don't, and then there was another guy before him, not John Major, the other one. Gordon Brown? No, that was after him. Your politics are hard because all of them are white dudes with the same name and I'm counting Margaret Thatcher as a man, by the way. Now, listen, she has a bigger dick than I do. Charlie, back to you. So you are not a goth. You're from Bounds Green. What brings you to the festival today? The architect? You know the architect? Yeah. What building have you architected? <laughs> You've only done one? So you're a student? He's not an architect. <laughs> what? That's how you know him? Are you studying architecture as well? No. What are you studying? I'm like really good friends with his sister. You're very, and that's your sister? Yeah. I got you, brother. <laughs> Why do you want to be an architect? Is it because you love George Costanza? Seinfeld reference. Thank you, those that fucking got that. The rest of you watch that fucking show because you're all sitting there going, Friends with Superior. You're fucking wrong. All right? The Friends never had an episode called The Soup Nazi. When you guys watch that show, you will understand how funny that was. Now, why do you want to be an architect? Are you going to work for a guy named Art Vandelay? Seinfeld reference again. Thank you very much. Don't take all day. You enjoyed art and maths at school? You are a contradiction, because I loved art, and this was me in math. Fuck this! <laughs> I was kicked out of every math class in high school. One of them, the last one, here's the thing. So Canada, there's grades of class you can do. I think you can do that in the UK as well, which is like in Canada, it's literally called academic applied real world. Basically saying, smart, sort of smart, enjoy your job as a janitor. <laughs> it, 
And so I was, I think, I did, I did like, I did real world math in grade 10, so when I was 15, and I did really, really, really well because one of the, the, like the, the modules in real world math was fill out a tax form. And so all you have to do is read and write things like your name or your income. And I was like, I'm 15, $20. <laughs> I filled that out, got it, like, I got like an A. And so they forced me into academic math when I was 16 years old. When you're 16 in Canada, you're doing things like, like deep advanced algebra, which I don't understand. Math is numbers, not letters. What the fuck is going on? And I, that never gets a laugh every time I've said it, which is twice. But it's true for me, not for you guys. Anyway, so I did it, and I was in academic math, and the other mistake was my two best friends were in academic math, and we were a couple of screwballs, a couple of class clowns. And my friend Paul had figured out that he could get sent to real world math and he wouldn't have to work so hard because he was smart. So he was playing dumb the entire time to the point one of the exams, he literally wrote math is hard and then a smiley face and handed it in because we didn't give a fuck about our studies. And so one day in the morning, math was the first class of the day. I can't believe I'm telling this story. The story has never been heard. I don't know how you guys are going to react. And we're, oh, we're getting close to the end, so we may end on this. So we're in school. A dance had happened the night before. School started up. And I was in, you ever just in a weird mood where you're not thinking about things? And something else had happened that day, which is the night before, we were reading To Kill a Mockingbird. And To Kill a Mockingbird, the N-word is introduced. And I was 16 years old. I'm into heavy metal. I had never heard that racial epithet before. And so I had that in my head. And so we're sitting there, and Paul is literally in the midst of complaining about his grade. And the class shuts down. We start making conversation. This guy turns to me, his name was Matt, and he looks at me and goes, hey, John, what are you doing this weekend? We were talking about the dance earlier, and I don't know why, but I said, I don't know but I bet you, you will be doing some N-word dancing, and then I clapped. I have no idea. But at that moment, the math teacher literally went, John, go to real world math! And I went, yes, yeah, okay, and I went, and as the door closed, I just heard my friend Paul scream the N-word and say, can I go with him? Can't believe that got a laugh. Literally one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. I'm very happy you laughed because as a man who has white guilt, it made me feel good. Now, <laughs> you guys don't have that in the UK. You just have Twitter. Anyway, let's sum up. Colin? Is it Colin or Colin? Colin, good. Like the transporter guy in Star Trek The Next Generation. It's Colin? Fuck. <laughs> so it's nothing like that guy. It's, we have the same accent. Are you flirting with me? <laughs> I have to say, you are rocking the glasses on the head move, and that is the most administrator on vacation look I have ever seen. You're wearing Crocs right now, aren't you, Colin? Pardon me? They're at home? What color are they? Blue? My father, my father is much like Colin. He's an administrator. He works in media relations. The day Crocs came out, I think was the day my father experienced true happiness. Like, I... Me being born, my brother being born, they were good days. But the day someone gave him shoes that felt like clouds that he didn't have to bend down to tie on, he went fucking banana. He called me on the phone. I remember, he went, John, 
Are you sitting down? I thought someone had died. I thought zombies had killed my grandfather. And he went, and I was like, yeah, I'm sitting down. What's up, uh, Dad? And he went, I just bought some shoes. They are called Crocs. They are made out of, I don't even know what they're made out of, but mine are yellow. They're so great. Listen to this. And then he put the phone by his feet and squished them up and down. He went, they're squishy, John. Squishy shoes. Guess what you're getting for your birthday? So I got a pair of black Crocs, and I remember my father handed them to me, and he went, you'll never need another pair of shoes. <laughs> Which is the short version of why I wore Crocs to my dad's third wedding. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are about out of time. A couple of quick things off the top. Thank you so much for being a crowd. This podcast uh, will be online at some point. If any of you know how to use the internet and build an RRSSS feed, I will, help, I will give you money to help me do that. <laughs> Brings me to the next thing, money. It's been a great show. I haven't made up any, I made up this entire thing off the top of my head to go see a prepared show, 10 pounds. I didn't prepare anything. So all I'm asking for is five pounds or whatever you think is fair, as long as fair folds and was kept in your wallet. <laughs> but before we go, please, a round of applause for Colin, a round of applause for Charlie. Good luck on your architectural skills, my friend. What, wait, wait, before we go, actually, have you been up the shard? Do yourself a fucking favor. Ladies and gentlemen, go to London, go up the Shard. You don't think that London is an impressive city because you're just there and you're like, it's a crowd. Why is this pint so expensive? This is me doing an impression of London people doing an impression of a northern person, by the way. And, and so, but it's fucking amazing because you can see the entire city and you look down on the London eye so you feel better than those people and it's only five pounds more and you get champagne and there's a, there was a really wealthy posh guy there who went, oh, you can see Buckingham Palace. Can't wait till we tell Liz about this. And I wanted to be like, you don't fucking know her and her name isn't Liz, it's Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> to sum up, ladies and gentlemen, when the zombies come, do not go to Albert's seat. <laughs> head to the castle. My name is John Hastings. This has been the Anything That Can Be A Podcast podcast. You've been a crowd. Thank you very much. I'll see you at the back. Bye-bye.
inside real world. Basically saying, smart, sort of smart, enjoy your job as a janitor. It, and so I was, I think, I did, I did like, I did real world math in grade 10, so when I was 15, and I did really, really, really well because one of the, the, like the, the modules in real world math was fill out a tax form. And so all you have to do is read and write things like your name or your income. And I was like, I'm 15, $20. <laughs> I filled that out, got it, like, I got like an A. And so they forced me into academic math when I was 16 years old. When you're 16 in Canada, you're doing things like, like deep advanced algebra, which I don't understand. Math is numbers, not letters. What the fuck is going on? And I, that never gets a laugh every time I've said it, which is twice. But it's true for me, not for you guys. Anyway, so I did it, and I was in academic math, and the other mistake was my two best friends were in academic math, and we were a couple of screwballs, a couple of class clowns. And my friend Paul had figured out that he could get sent to real-world math, and he wouldn't have to work so hard because he was smart, so he was playing dumb the entire time. To the point, one of the exams, he literally wrote, math is hard, and then a smiley face and handed it in because we didn't give a fuck about our studies. And so one day in the morning, math was the first class of the day. I can't believe I'm telling this story. The story has never been heard. I don't know how you guys are going to react. And we're, oh, we're getting close to the end. So we may end on this. So we're in school. A dance had happened the night before. School started up. And I was in, you ever just in a weird mood where you're not thinking about things? And something else had happened that day which is the night before we were reading To Kill a Mockingbird. And To Kill a Mockingbird, the N-word is introduced. And I was 16 years old, I'm into heavy metal. I had never heard that racial epithet before. And so I had that in my head. And so we're sitting there and Paul is literally in the midst of complaining about his grade. And the class shuts down, we start making conversation. This guy turns to me, his name was Matt, and he looks at me and goes, hey, John, what are you doing this weekend? We were talking about the dance earlier, and I don't know why, but I said, I don't know, but I bet you you will be doing some N-word dancing, and then I clapped. <laughs> I have no idea. But at that moment, the math teacher literally went, John, go to real world math! And I went, yes, yeah, okay, and I went, and as the door closed, I just heard my friend Paul scream the N-word and say, can I go with him? Can't believe that got a laugh. Literally one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. I'm very happy you laughed because as a man who has white guilt, it made me feel good. Now, you guys don't have that in the UK. You just have Twitter. Anyway, let's sum up. Colm? Is it Colin or Colm? Colm, good like the transporter guy in Star Trek The Next Generation. It's Colin? Fuck. <laughs> so it's nothing like that guy. It's, we have the same accent. Are you flirting with me? <laughs> I have to say, you are rocking the glasses on the head move, and that is the most administrator on vacation look I have ever seen. You're wearing Crocs right now, aren't you, Colin? Pardon me? They're at home? What color are they? Blue? My father... My father is much like Colin. He's an administrator. He works in media relations. The day Crocs came out, I think, was the day my father experienced true happiness. <laughs> like, I, me being born, my brother being born, they were good days. But the day someone gave him shoes, 
that felt like clouds that he didn't have to bend down to tie on. He went fucking banana. He called me on the phone. I remember he went, John, are you sitting down? I thought someone had died. I thought zombies had killed my grandfather. And he went, and I was like, yeah, I'm sitting down. What's up, uh, Dad? And he went, I just bought some shoes. They are called Crocs. They are made out of, I don't even know what they're made out of, but mine are yellow. They're so great. Listen to this. And then he put the phone by his feet and squished them up and down. He went, they're squishy, John. Squishy shoes. Guess what you're getting for your birthday? So I got a pair of black Crocs, and I remember my father handed them to me, and he went, you'll never need another pair of shoes. Which is the short version of why I wore Crocs to my dad's third wedding. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are about out of time. A couple of quick things off the top. Thank you so much for being a crowd. This podcast uh, will be online at some point. If any of you know how to use the internet and build an RRSSS feed, I will, help, I will give you money to help me do that. Brings me to the next thing, money. It's been a great show. I haven't made up any, I've made up this entire thing off the top of my head to go see a prepared show, 10 pounds. I didn't prepare anything. So all I'm asking for is five pounds or whatever you think is fair, as long as fair folds and was kept in your wallet. <laughs> but before we go, please, a round of applause for Colin, a round of applause for Charlie. Good luck on your architectural skills, my friend. What, wait, wait, before we go, actually, have you been up the shard? Do yourself a fucking favor. Ladies and gentlemen, go to London, go up the Shard. You don't think that London is an impressive city because you're just there and you're like, it's a crowd. Why is this pint so expensive? This is me doing an impression of London people doing an impression of a northern person, by the way. And, and so, but it's fucking amazing because you can see the entire city and you look down on the London eye so you feel better than those people and it's only five pounds more and you get champagne and there's a, there was a really wealthy posh guy there who went, oh, you can see Buckingham Palace. Can't wait till we tell Liz about this. And I wanted to be like, you don't fucking know her and her name isn't Liz, it's Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> to sum up, ladies and gentlemen, when the zombies come, do not go to Albert's seat head to the castle. My name is John Hastings. This has been the Anything That Can Be A Podcast podcast. You've been a crowd. Thank you very much. I'll see you at the back. Bye-bye. <laughs>